In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Welcome to 419 Disciple Maker Podcast. We are talking today with Beth Laurie, one of the most incredible disciple-making women I've ever met. This girl is the real deal, and uh, today I want to uh, welcome you. So, Beth Laurie, thank you for being with us. Thank you. So, uh, Mark, I was uh, thinking about coming on here with you today and uh, wanted to do a little switcheroo here. Instead of uh, talking about maybe disciple-making in my life, I thought we could get to know Mark Danzi today. I heard a rumor that this was going to happen, but I just <laughs> thought it might be a rumor. <laughs> so, well, uh, it is the 419 Disciple Makers podcast with yeah. Mark Danzi. Mm. And Mark Danzi's a disciple maker, but I would think some of our listeners know you and know your story, but there's some people out there that may not have heard of Mark Danzi and may want to know why he's so passionate about disciple making. And how did he get the job of interviewing people <laughs> talking about it, right? That's right. I have uh, One of my friends says they have helium arm uh, in a meeting. They just raise their arm accidentally and uh, volunteer for things. And so maybe, maybe I just have helium arm. <laughs> <laughs> that might be it. Yeah. <laughs> Get you some weights. <laughs> yeah, I need to work out. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, this this is a vision uh, that you were instrumental in as well, because you have been running our disciple-making movement here at Mount Pisgah for a long time as a, as a volunteer and then now on staff. And uh, you and I have traveled. I've been mm-hmm. to Russia a couple of times and taught disciple-making at the Moscow Seminary. And so I've, I've watched you, and I've always been impressed with uh, – the way you um, lead women into spiritual maturity. So to be interviewed by you would be an honor. Wow. Well, I am glad to be here, and I want people to know that um, Mark is my pastor, but he's also my supervisor um, here at Mount Pisgah. And Mark has been a pastor for many years. Is it 25, 20? Yeah, something like that, 25, 26. 26 years, yes. And um, Mark has been uh, the Disciple Life pastor. He's the senior associate pastor here now. But Mark is very passionate about disciple making. And I thought maybe you could tell us about your story. Like, how did you get to where you felt like this is exactly what God wanted you to do? Mm, yeah. Well, I, I am just passionate about it, but I wasn't always passionate about it. Mm. Um, I did pastoral ministry for many years, and I always say that I, and I never made one disciple. And the problem was that was the mission of the church, making disciples of Jesus Christ I just never learned it in seminary. I never learned it from a senior pastor that I worked with. I had never seen it. And so I was just doing a bunch of ministry things I had learned in Bible college or seminary or workshops or whatever, a bunch of spiritual stuff and hoping that something stuck. And it did. I mean, there were some people that went into ministry that came through ours. And so God worked around me uh, in my ignorance to for people to be discipled, but I didn't have a plan or anything like that. And so uh, as my hair uh, turned gray and turned loose, I started uh, finding different positions in the church from youth ministry and family ministry into discipleship. And one day I had a businessman come in my office and said, uh, congratulations, you're the discipleship pastor now. And then he said, what's your plan? And I started making up all kinds of things, you know, um, like we do. And uh I started telling him about the Sunday school classes and the small groups and the mission trips and all. And he nodded yes politely and then said, that's not a plan. And it offended me. 
And I immediately thought, well, I've been to seminary and I've been the one in the ministry. What do you know about it? You know, and uh, but it, but something in my spirit was saying, you know, he's right. And I knew he knew something I didn't know, but he wouldn't share what it was. <laughs> so he he graciously said, well, if you ever want help working on a plan for this, I'd be glad to volunteer. And I said, well, thank you very much. And I hoped he didn't come back. And he came back. And um, so I was busy doing up to my neck doing ministry stuff, programs, you know, programs. And so after a few of these conversations, I finally flustered, said, I think you know something I don't know, but you won't tell me. And this isn't working for me. <laughs> I kind of got angry with him. And um, so we start, he started and in, he invited me into a group. And I thought, I'll do this to get this guy off my back. You know, I'm already very busy. Four children, a wife, a ministry. And so I, uh, I joined the group. And uh, it was with a man who didn't, didn't go to our church. So here I am, a pastor at a church in a small group with a man leading it that doesn't even go to my church mm-hmm. and uh, some other pastors from the community and some other business leaders. And I thought I'll do this to keep the guy off my back. Well, I saw things and heard things and experienced things in that group. I had never in all of my years of ministry experienced. And I started, it took me two years in that group to realize what that guy was doing. He was discipling us to disciple others. And so I realized Beth, that this guy was right. Two years ago, I did not have a plan um, I knew how to be a pastor. I just didn't know how to make disciples. And so from there, we just started working on a plan. I put my first covenant group together, which was a group of men focused on them growing in spiritual maturity, but with the goal that in two to three years, they would all go and have their own groups. And I would say it was a failure. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel that way with your first discipleship oh, yeah. group? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think you need to have your first group so that it can fail, and then you can learn and then have a better second group. So I just want to apologize to all those guys in my first group, <laughs> if you heard that. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just trying a bunch of things. And I, I would take it to a Bible study course because that's where I was comfortable. And so um, we met together for three years. And at the end of that three years, uh, only one guy decided to go and start their own group. And so there wasn't a lot of multiplication that happened out of it. And just from now, I can look back, and God's been doing some fruit, but— mm. It wasn't what I had envisioned it would happen, you know. So anyway, I, um, you know, I've had several groups since then and, and been blessed to be able to teach disciple-making to pastors. And so what I've found is with pastors, if you ask them about their disciple-making, uh, they do what I did. They start talking about all the programs they have. And, um, and there's a difference, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how I got to where I am today in, in my passion for, for making disciples. So do you think if you hadn't have been in that group that you would have caught this or? No, uh, absolutely not. Me, my personality, I think some things are taught and some things are caught. And for me, I needed both. I needed to see it and experience it because it took me two years for me to figure out what this guy was doing. Uh, I'd been in many groups where you study the Bible and have some prayer concerns and requests, but I'd never seen how a a discipleship group works. So. yeah, I would say uh, for my personality, there's no way I could have just gone to a seminar and learned this and come back and done it effectively. Because it's it's different, and you use the word experience it, but you're sitting around the table, and it's it's slow, and you guys are talking about this stuff. It's not just imparting information on you, right? You were being discipled. Exactly. How did it How did it feel? And and like, what were some of the things that you felt that you understood because you experienced it? Good question. I, 
it's like a taser. You know, if you're a police <laughs> officer and you're going to be licensed to use a taser, you got to get tased. Okay. You got to know what it feels like on the other end so you'll be more compassionate with mm-hmm. the use of it, supposedly. That's how it's supposed to work. I think it's that way. And deci- Be a disciple and then learn to make disciples. And so Jesus did that, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He didn't call those 12 and said, hey, you know, all of you go lead and then we'll talk about it. No, he, they followed him. That was his invitation. And so I think to be a disciple first is about learning how to follow Jesus. Uh, and in the process of following, you're being molded and made into the discipling leader. And so, um, yeah, I just don't think that, that there, I think Jesus gave us the process in 419. And that's why we call this, this podcast that, right? Have you told our listeners that? I don't think so. Um, Matthew 419, I believe, is the most holistic, comprehensive verse in the Bible on the disciple-making process. And what it is, is Jesus says, come, follow me, I will make you fishers of men, or fishers of people, the newer versions. When you think about that, it for those of you who are preaching, looking for something for Sunday, here's an outline, here's a four-point outline, um, because I know how that feels. <laughs> come, that's an invitation to salvation. That's the first part of the, of the verse. Then follow me. This is an invitation to, um, to lordship, to doing what Jesus says do, to following the leader. Like Francis Chan does a great sermon on, you know, following the leader as a kid. Whatever the leader does, you just do it. Well, that's obedience. So the second part of that, come is the invitation to salvation. Follow me is the invitation to lordship. And I will make you. And so it's the Lord always doing the making. No matter who the group leader is, they're just the group leader, but it's the Lord doing the making, the molding, the transforming. That's the third part. And that's the discipleship process. And then the fourth part is that fishers of men. So Jesus gives them the desired outcome in the invitation, right? Come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. We tend to hold back on that. As pastors, we're afraid to challenge our people. And so we just want to say, hey, come, it'll be fun and you'll grow. <laughs> Jesus is like, no, you come and I'll tell you what's going to happen at the end. You're all going to be out there doing this. So now um, I've grown in my courage as a pastor to say to people, hey, if you'll come get in this covenant group with me, this discipleship group, at the end of our time together, you'll be trained on how to be a disciple maker. And that's been an evolution for me. Uh, But I got it out of that verse uh, that we hold dear here. And so that's why we named the podcast 419 Disciple Makers. It's not discipleship. It's about targeting leaders. But to be a leader first, you have to be a follower. I take a lot of comfort in the part of the verse where it says, I will make you. Mm. Like, it, it, we don't have to strive in that. We don't have to become this disciple maker. He will do it in us and for us. And the way you just described your invitation to the men, how you say, come and I will help you to do this, does that scare them off? Some, yeah, because they don't really know. And and I don't, you know, pound that point hard. I just, you know, it, I'm going to, I'm not going to uh, hide it either, but I usually describe it or cloak it in um, spiritual leadership. You know, don't you want to be a leader? Of course. You want to be a leader in your home in your business, in your family. Yeah. Men uh, really resonate with that. Well, there is no greater leader in the world than Jesus. And his leadership was done in the context of making disciples and then told them to go do it. So it's not a bait and switch. We don't hide the fact. We also don't uh, every session's not about your leadership skill either. It's about you becoming and growing. And, and a note on that is I don't think there's ever a graduation day of becoming. Uh, he will make us. He's still making us, right? Even That's if you're leading. <laughs> and the day, my last breath on earth will be my graduation day. 
Uh, but until then, I'm still a work in progress. I think Ruth Graham Bell's tombstone says it all. I saw a picture of it the other day. and It says at the bottom of it, it says her name and her date and stuff. I'll paraphrase what it says, but it says something like, construction now complete. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Isn't awesome. that great? That's very good. That's me. And, I, and, you know, my men will know that. And Mark, still a work in progress. And thank you for your patience. And And you hear that in your story because even that you took the time to go sit in that group with these guys that one of the leader wasn't even from your church. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took a lot of humility. You're the pastor. You're over discipleship. But yet you humbled yourself to say, I'm going to be open. I'm going to see what I can learn here. And well, don't forget, I did it to shut the guy up. <laughs> okay. okay. Don't give me too much credit for that. That was a later revelation. <laughs> okay. Well, God had meant that good for you, and and it did. And then you even talk about how in the beginning you didn't – know what you were doing, mm-hmm. and um, and it is a, a progress. Like, it's a work in progress for all of us, right? Yeah. Um, so if you could say to the pastors that are out there who or the leaders of the church, lay leaders that are already leading and they found themselves in this position, and yet they hear you talk about this discipleship and disciple-making, what would you say to them to help them understand while it's why it would be important to go experience it before you just start a discipleship program. Well, in experiencing it, you will, um, I mean, every every single qualified occupation has this concept down. If you're going to learn to fly a plane, you're going to read about it, study about it. You're going to be in one. You're going to watch the pilot fly it. You're going to be a co-pilot for a while. And then the controls are going to be migrated over to you. If you're going to be an electrician, you are an apprentice. You have a master electrician and you work with them and they teach you and show you and it's hands-on. And then we get to the church and we think you can go take a class, you know, and it's ridiculous. And so this mentoring apprentice process, Jesus models it for us and it works. And so if you take someone who knows about discipleship and allow somebody that doesn't to walk with them and experience it, then it makes them a better disciple maker. And you can see things that you don't like, like I'll never do that when I leave my group, or I'll definitely do that. And so many of uh, many pastors are, are just too proud to think that a business leader or a school teacher or an electrician has anything to teach them spiritually. But Chip Ingram, one of my uh, good friends and heroes, he says that it was a brick mason that pulled him to the side and mentored and poured into him when he first became a believer. So here's this worldwide teacher of discipleship, Chip Ingram, who accredits a brick mason. Uh, and so what I've found is people who really know what they're doing in the world of disciple making will often point back to somebody that was least likely qualified to teach them, lead them. Now, the guy that was leading our group was extremely qualified and gentle and patient and wise and all those things that I would like to think I'll be one day. Um, and so he... He was able to see, probably see my pride in the beginning of it um, and and gently, lovingly work with me around that until it came to the point where I went, wow, now I see what you're doing. Of course, I didn't want to admit that in the first couple of years, you know. <laughs> but I would say to pastors, um, you probably have a lot more to learn about disciple making from people that don't have a seminary degree than people that do in your church. Because in their occupations, they understand what mentoring apprenticeship means. But for most pastors, um, 
like myself, I, I say there's six th- reasons that I did not disciple. I was a pastor for 15 years. I didn't make one disciple. Wow. Isn't that crazy? And and, and uh, I heard a, a guy speak one time, and he shared these, and I, all six of them resonated with me. And I was, I wonder if any of these will resonate with pastors. The first one is, is the reason that we, we don't disciple is that we don't know how. We've never seen it. Like I said, I never had a pastor disciple me. Um, I've had some mentors, short-term, you know, teach me this skill, teach me that skill, but never really like Jesus discipled Peter or Jesus discipled John. Um, so since I'd never seen it, how would I know? So I think that keeps a lot of pastors down. Um, another is is that uh, pastors aren't able because they're not spiritually mature enough, or season they're in a season of life um, that you know some pastors get out and all they do is think about growing their church and their budgets and staffing and preaching, and that doesn't necessarily create someone spiritually mature uh, to just be efficient in running a ministry organization. And so for me, that was the case. I just had not arrived. I just had I was not spiritually mature enough. The third one is um, it's hard, difficult, and messy. Man, ministry is hard, difficult, messy enough. Why do I want to add another layer of that by walking through the mud with eight guys once a week uh, exclusively? Why would I? Why would I do that? Uh, I would rather just shake their hand at Sunday and pray for them and preach to them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one is it's slow and it's not flashy. Um, pastors uh, are like bass. Uh, anything shiny that goes in front of them, they'll usually bite if it's the new church growth mechanism or the new church growth book or the new sermon series. But disciple making is a slow process, and it's not very attractive. There's not a lot to say in sermons about about it because it's just the nature of it. It took Jesus three years, and he was God. <laughs> wow, that's a good point. We think people won't sign up for a six-week study because it's too long, and so we cave and compromise. But if it took God three years to disciple a man, I don't think I'm better than that. I think it's going to take me about that long or more or longer. And um, so it's slow. Another reason is, is it's misunderstood. You know, why would a pastor invest so much time in so few people? So it's interesting when I study the Gospels that Jesus was with the crowds early in his ministry. But the closer he got to the cross, the more time he invested in the few. You will never go to a church growth seminar and hear that. That's right. <laughs> It's all about meeting the masses, inviting everybody, the open end of the funnel, get the crowds in the building. But that's not what Jesus did. It's the opposite of what Jesus did. He invested in those 12 and in those three and in that one um, as time got more crucial. And, uh, and finally, the last one is um, it's basically choosing disobedience over obedience. Um, the Great Commission tells us what to do and um, you know, go and make disciples and teaching them to obey everything. And uh, as, as a pastor myself, um, I was just, I had my own ideas of what that would look like. And so instead of seeking the heart of God, I just um, decided to do what I thought was right and never looked any further than that. And it works until it doesn't work anymore. Um, so those are the, some of my personal reasons that kept me from doing it for, for most of my ministry. Um, and I meet other pastors, and they say the same thing. I'll often ask them, does any of those resonate with you? And they'll say yes, and I'll say, which ones? And they'll say all of them. All of them. <laughs> For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast. <laughs>